morning. Um, the Gators must have won last night because David is in an especially good mood and has his festive tie out. My name is Julia. I'm the young adult minister here of the well at Anastasia. If this is your first time, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you are here. If this is your first time, I would encourage you to text 904-441-6900, pull up our digital connect card. Let us know that you're visiting, where you're from. You can also use that to send any prayer requests that you may have. And some of y'all noticed that I have a lovely um, boom box here this morning. You may be wondering why I choose to lug this 100 pound boom box up here. We are coming close to groundbreaking for our new building. And in that process, we are um, tearing down the sheds and the pink house soon. So we have a rummage giveaway occurring and I pulled this straight out of the garage. It too could be yours amongst many other things in there. I already had one woman actually bid on this one, so it is off the market. But on Friday the 16th and Saturday the 17th, we will be getting rid of all the things that are in there. If you would like to make a donation for any items, you're welcome to do that, and all donations will go towards our 4G building. But I'm sure there are many more CD and cassette players and other odds and ends just waiting to be discovered. You don't want to miss that. Ladies, we have Flourish happening on the 16th for all women. It's going to be a wonderful time of worship and fellowship. We have a great speaker coming in, so I hope that you can join us for that. Also, if you've been coming to Anastasia for a little while now and you don't really, um, you have questions about what our beliefs are or you're new, we have a class coming up called Alignment on September 11th, Sunday, during the 9 o'clock hour. So I want to encourage you to be a part of our Alignment class. Find out what is happening here at Anastasia, what our heart is, and um, all of that will be a great time to get to know who we are. And last but not least, we have our monthly worship this Wednesday, happening here in the sanctuary, a night of worship in lieu of Lifehouse. So I hope you'll be able to join us then. And now please draw your attention to the baptism. baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of Christ's death, raised to the newness of life. Amen. Let's rejoice with Scott. And in his life, Aaron, this morning, Aaron, we're so glad to have you this morning and rejoice with you. And I know this is a day you've been looking forward to as well. So Aaron, what is your testimony of faith this morning? I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Aaron, based upon your profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of Christ's death, raised to the newness of life. Amen. Let's rejoice to know this morning. 
you join me in praying over our brothers and sisters in Christ? Lord Jesus, we are just so thankful for Scott. We're so thankful for Aaron. Lord, we just pray blessings upon them. Thank you for their testimony of faith this morning. Pray that you would use them in power and in boldness for your glory. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. Let's stand together and sing about our hope. What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone. Christ alone, what is our only confidence? That our souls to Him belong, who holds our days within His hand. What comes apart from His command, and what will keep us to the end? The
Still 
It seems as Christians that we often place much more of our trust in Christ as our hope in death rather than as our hope in this life also. But as our first song that we sang together as a congregation reminded us, he is both. He is our hope in death and in this life. And we need hope in this life because of the storms we sometimes face. You know, when those emotional oceans rise and the metaphorical thunders roar. Now some, but not all, but some of the storms that we go through are of our own devising. But others come and we can't figure out why. It's not due to a specific sin. Sometimes it's just because we live in a fallen world in which creation is groaning. Jesus taught us that in John chapter 9. It reads, as he passed by, he, that he refers to Jesus, saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You see, to them, it had to have been one or the other. Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, other storms of life come about not because of anything we've done, but because of the sins of others, and we just get caught up in the backlash of their sin. That's what happened to all those sailors on the boat with Jonah. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found the ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. It wasn't just Jonah on that boat. All those others were caught up in the storm of Jonah's making. But there are times when we face storms, and it is entirely our own fault. These are a result of poor choices, or prideful arrogance, or just plain pig-headed stubbornness. It's during those times we need to heed Paul's words. He wrote, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. Thanks indeed be to God for his grace, his mercy, for his enduring love. And those are just some of the blessings that he pours out on us. Let's stand, let's sing. Thank you. 
good song to sing, it's an even better song to do. So, what are the blessings for which you are thankful? And we're just going to throw a hand up in the air and just shout it out. Your kids. Your kid. Okay. Only handle the one. I got you there, sister. What else are you grateful for? What's a blessing? My family. Your family. Joseph's family. Our church. You'll get more chances, but what's that? For salvation. Still here after cancer. Yay. Well, you be thinking we're going to stop after the next ones too. Let's sing a second. you grateful for? What are your blessings? What's that? Grandchildren. Air conditioning. Hmm? Your friends. God's love. God's love letter to us, the Bible. Gotcha. For marriage. From our newlywed. Sally just got married a few weeks ago. You know, uh, I was thinking that maybe another spouse would mention that, but uh, <clears throat> she didn't do it at the early service either. She left the building. In fact, she left the building, so she wouldn't have to say it this time. Thank you for pointing that out for us all to see, Mike. Let's sing. When you look at others with their lands and has promised you his wealth untold. Count your many blessings money cannot buy. Your reward in heaven or your home on high. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has Anastasia Baptist and the staff. Yes, ma'am. Here today, I understand that. Joseph. Pastor Sam. Pastor Sam. How about that? He got, Pastor Sam got a personal shout out at the early service too. <laughs> Pastor Sam is making the rounds, handing out the Benjamins. Yes, sir. Your wife. And your. Okay. But you, you got a side for him, but born in the U.S. Yes, ma'am. Suffering that builds character. Brings you closer to God. Yes, sir. Son and dog getting baptized. Son and dog getting baptized. Yes. 
Way back in the back. I, I didn't hear you. Our country. Our country. Amen. Amen. One more. Your uncle, he's always there, right? You're always there right next to him, too. All righty, let's sing our last song. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Okay, so I did deliberately did not throw out a blessing so I could throw this one out. I am so blessed to be able to serve in this church. I was, I was going to say finely tuned machine, but <clears throat> ask Sam about the water when you get a chance later. So we are so thankful for you. I got to uh, witness this week the uh, quilting ministry returning from exile in Annex um, they're now up on the second floor, and uh, they're in room 200 and 201, and they'll be meeting up there in the future. And we are just very blessed to have you as a congregation that you support us so very well. So let us pray. Father God, we just we thank you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to serve, Father. Father, we just um, thank you for the ability to worship in this church, Father, and to have a home where we can come to worship. Father, we just ask that as we come to this time of offering, Father, that you would bless those that give, Father, and that, that you would lead, guide us, and direct us into how to use what they give properly, Father. We ask that we do everything we can to stay within the center of your will. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you in the house this morning, and uh, as we talk about counting our blessings, I'm so grateful that though our days on earth change each and every day, we have ups and downs, our Lord and Savior Jesus stays constant, amen? And uh, we're excited. We're, we started a new series, if you remember, two weeks ago. Uh, this past weekend, we had Missions Weekend, and that was a, just a real blessing, but Pastor Walter kicked us off in a new sermon series called 517. And really the premise of this sermon series is looking at how God worked in the past, looking at how God works in the present, and being confident in knowing that he's going to work tomorrow and the days ahead of us. And, uh, you know, the, the 517 comes from John chapter 517 when Jesus said this, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. And it speaks to the idea that our God is at work. Amen? That he is working and he is doing a good work even now, even uh, within our own lives. And uh, I mean, how many of y'all believe that God is at work right now? Amen. Aren't you thankful that uh, God's work in each and every one is not completed, right? He is uh, sanctifying us, making us more like his image, and he is still uh, moving in a mighty way right within us and within our church and within our community and within our world. 
And, you know, speaking of ways that God has been at work, you know, we had a, a big weekend uh, a few weekends back. It was promotion weekend. And so it was just as school started, uh, all of our, our kids and youth were, uh, as they were moving up to the next grade level at school and starting school, we were moving them up in their different Sunday school classes and life groups. And, and uh, so it was a big weekend. In total attendance, we had more than 300 kids and youth at church on that Sunday. Isn't that amazing? And God is at work. And then we just kicked off our, our Wednesday night ministry, and we had over 250 kids and 100 youth and uh, more than 100 ladies in Bible study. I mean, it was just a big, big week, and God is moving. And, you know, as he's moving and he is growing the church, and we're seeing attendance increase, it reminds us of our need to provide a safe place for our children and youth to worship. And uh, many of you may be aware, but about 2014, we started praying about as a church and dreaming about uh, providing a new and updated space and a safe place for our, our children and youth. And that's really been a journey. And many of you have been here the whole time to be a part of this journey. And uh, as we've prayed for it, you as a church have, have stuck in there with us. You have been faithful uh, to just encourage and pray over it, to give. And can I tell you, in two weeks from this Sunday, we're going to see God's faithfulness as we're going to go to groundbreaking. September 18th at 11.45 a.m. behind the Student Center, uh, we are going to have a groundbreaking uh, ceremony. So I encourage you to be there as we celebrate God's faithfulness to this church and what he has in store for generations to come. Are you excited about it? I know I am. So amen. We give God a hand for that. That's exciting. And as we look ahead to the faithfulness of God, you know, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Walter talked about, as we started our series, about God as a creator, right? And, and we know that God has created all things. Uh, he's created you and I. He's created the world around us. But we, we kind of talked about this idea that God is not done creating, right? He is creating a new life in us, right, uh, through the power of his cross. And he is continually creating. But this morning, I want to focus in on uh, God as a giver of hope. God is the giver of hope. God has been throughout the ages the source of our hope in which we can draw upon. And, and I think God's word is a reminder of that. I, I heard an illustration uh, recently about, you know, what God is doing in our life, what he continues to do. And it was about a, uh, three young boys who were sitting under a night sky. And they were looking at all the stars in the sky and feeling pretty, pretty small in comparison to all that God had created and all that he had made. And they were just admiring the stars. And they were thinking about, boy, how good big God is to make all that they saw before them. And as they sat there, one of the boys kind of voiced what they were all thinking. And they were thinking, you know, if God made all this, I wonder what God's working on right now. And they all started thinking about that question for a few minutes. And one of the boys chuckled and chimed up and he said, you know what? I bet God right now is working on trying to remember why he made mosquitoes. <laughs> And they all chuckled, and they thought, you know, get a laugh at it. And then, then one of the other boys, after some time, went by, and he said, you know what? I know what God's working on. My mom's always talking about there are not enough days in the week. I bet he's trying to think about how to add another day to the week. And they thought about it for a little bit, and some time went on. And finally, the, the, the third young man, who was the one who posed the question about what God's working on right now, he says, ah, I figured out. I know what God's working on right now. He's working on our hearts right now. And you know, I think about as we, we talk about what God is doing right now, God in his faithfulness is working to remind us of the hope that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's a never-ending hope. It's a hope that he wants us to continually be reminded of. 
You know, since the fall of man, God has been at work to give humanity hope. Uh, God's plan was not to leave us hopeless and helpless, uh, but to give us his son, Jesus. And maybe the scripture that highlights best God's plan and his ability to give hope is Romans chapter 5. And Romans chapter 5 is unique is because it connects the dots from what we see in Genesis chapter 3, the fall of humanity, and how sin entered the world through one man. But Romans chapter 5 connects it for us to see that although sin entered through the world through one man, salvation and redemption entered through the one man, Jesus Christ. And so we see a parallel there. And so I'm going to be reading this morning from Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. And if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there this morning as we read it, and please stand in honor of reading God's Word. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through the one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where, the law, where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Verse 16, and the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through the one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so the one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through the righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. Romans chapter 5 makes reference to Genesis chapter 3, which tells of the fall of man, that the first ever man and woman created in God's image to live in relationship with him, that they allow temptation to creep in and to take hold, thus choosing to pursue selflessly the things that God told them would not satisfy. Tempted by the evil one and enticed by the fruit of sin, they were left with the consequence of sin. Feeling empty, broken, lost, and naked before God. But God tells us, although hopelessness entered humanity when sin did, because of God's compassion for humanity, he did not want to leave us in that hopeless state. Romans 5 reminds us that in our deepest sin and brokenness, God has enough grace for humanity to bring them hope through Jesus Christ. What I believe God is working on in the world today is he's reminding of us of the hope that we have in Jesus. Hope for a restored relationship with Christ. Hope for a better life. Hope for healing. Hope for redemption. Hope for justification in Christ. And here's what I know. God has enough grace to bring you hope because despite what you may be going through in life, God reminds us of his love 
and care for us that he went to the cross for us. If you're taking notes this morning, I wanted to give you a freebie for the first one, right? I remember as a kid, sometimes as I took a test, the teacher would give us a freebie, right? And the freebie was name your favorite color and you get a point, right? Uh, write your name and you get two points. I needed all the freebies I could get. So I'm giving you one this morning. You can write this down. His righteousness is greater than blank. You just fill in anything you want there. Because here, here's the, the beautiful truth. God's righteousness is greater than anything that we're going to face in life. God's righteousness is better, greater than our brokenness, our sin, our hurt, our hate, our unforgiveness, our loss, our pain. The scripture says out of the abundance of grace, the free gift of righteousness he has made available for us. You know, righteousness is the character and goodness of God. It's who he is and the goodness and kindness of our Savior. It is his constant love and compassion for us. And we don't have to ask the question, is God loving enough to forgive me? Is God big enough to heal me? Is God great enough to help me in my time of need? Because Romans 5 reminds us that his righteousness is greater. It is greater. His righteousness is greater than our brokenness. His righteousness is greater than our sinfulness. His righteousness is greater than our fear. You know, I, I love that in Romans 5, the writer uh, mentions this twice, right? Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he mentions this twice, that God's righteousness is greater. I, I love this, verse 17, he says this, Fourth, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Listen to this. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Can you just nudge somebody next to you and just say, much more? Just, just, just give them a nudge. Just make sure they're awake. Make sure they heard that all right. Much more is the righteousness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, than our brokenness in our sin in our life. His grace is greater. His grace is greater. You know, uh, verse 19, he goes on to say again, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. His righteousness is greater. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Sometimes we allow the world and the circumstances that were going on in our own life to think that, you know, God can't or he's not big enough to help us in the midst of our sin or brokenness or in our time of need. But Romans 5 reminds us that our God is greater. You know, when I, when I think about that and maybe I struggle a little bit with, you know, doubting God and doubting, um, you know, what he can do, I, I think of a, a young lady whom I met uh, when I was in college. I got the privilege of working some uh, youth camps when I was in college, and one of those was a, a Lifeway camp in Mississippi during the summer, and I had the privilege of uh, leading a ninth and 10th grade boys and girls in Bible study and uh, team-building activities to share the gospel. And my first week of summer camp, I learned that I was going to get a young lady in my group named Haley. And I, I learned a little bit about Haley's story, and due to some illnesses in her life, she was confined to a wheelchair and uh, she had a lot of medical issues that faced her and a lot of challenges throughout her life, and even at age 16. And, and as I, I learned that I'd be getting this young lady, Haley, in, in my Bible study group, I, I began to worry about the conversation that I was going to have with her. See, so many of the team-building activities that we did that week re required a lot of physical activity. And I was going to have to have a conversation with this young lady that uh, during a lot of the activities that we did, she would not be able to participate. And I just dreaded that conversation. And it finally came with an opportunity, I had to meet Haley for the first time. And as I went and introduced myself to Haley, and uh, 
before I could even have that conversation, Haley pulled me aside. She said, Sam, I know that during this week, during a lot of the activities at the rec field, I'm not going to be able to participate. But she said, I want you to know it's okay. Because I, as I've been praying about it, I felt like God has put on my heart that my role this week is to be an encourager and a cheerleader for all the other kids that come on this field. And can I tell you that whole week, Haley had an electric wheelchair and she rode that electric wheelchair up and down that field, high five, and every kid that came on the field encouraging them, cheering them on, uh, you know, loving on them. And she was the best cheerleader anyone could ask for that week. And all the kids responded to the love and grace that she had. Because despite the challenges that life had given her, God's righteousness was greater in her life. His purpose was more meaningful. It was greater in her life. And so... Friend, I want to tell you this morning, God has enough grace to give you hope in the circumstances and life events that you have. He is faithful. Second thing that you can write down this morning is he holds the keys to our justification. He holds the keys to our justification. And the scripture says that, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification. You know, justification is our freedom in Christ. It is the ability for God to remove the debt of our sin, the consequence of our sin, and it's the ability for him to make us justified. You've heard that expression, justify and never sin, right? He takes away the brokenness and sin. And, you know, really what happens when Christ gives us his righteousness, there's an exchange that happens. We receive Christ's righteousness. He takes on our sin and brokenness that he bore on the cross. It's a beautiful exchange. It's the forgiveness at the deepest level, not that we deserved it, not that we earned the forgiveness that he showed to us, but that he freely has offered it to us. One of my, my favorite authors wrote this about it. He says, forgiveness offered, especially when it's so undeserved, cuts the chains off the human heart that no other in the universe can rattle, much less break. Love did what hatred could never do. Jesus going to the cross he was the only one who could justify us of our sins. Only him. And he went to the cross on our behalf. Not only can Jesus break us free from the bondage of sin and brokenness, listen to this. He wants to. He wants to set you free. You know, I, I know for many who I, I counsel and talk to, when they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the moment after we pray for them to receive and they talk to God and they say, God, I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior, I can't tell you how many of them, after I counsel them, says they say it's like a weight has been lifted off their shoulders. They've been carrying this burden of brokenness and sin in their life for so long, and as they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, it's like Jesus, which he does, comes and lifts those burdens and the weight off their shoulders. You know, I, I think for so many of us, we don't know the weight that we carry each and every day. Some of us are carrying a weight of hurt. Maybe it's brokenness in our life. And boy, it is just weighing us down daily. I love that John 8.36, Jesus said, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus came to set us free from the burdens that we carry. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I got the opportunity to take my daughter backpacking for the first time. And as we went backpacking in the mountains, I had to carry everything. Right? I had to carry two sleeping bags, two air mattresses, a tent, 
some food, and then all the other snacks she felt were necessary on the trip. I had an extra blanket. I had an extra stuffed animal in my backpack. I had a stove. I had everything, the water. I had this giant green backpack that I was carrying, and I just wanted her to experience, you know, what it's like to hike, so I gave her a little pink backpack. And in her pink backpack, she had, you know, a few toys, a few bit of her clothes. It was pretty light. And so we started hiking towards the mountain and going up it and and I'm carrying this big old backpack, and it wasn't even halfway. And my daughter says, Dad, I can't carry this pink backpack anymore. <laughs> so here I was with this big green backpack, and I had to take that little pink backpack and strap it to my green backpack. And I carried it all the way up the mountain, and I just kind of pushed through it. Can I tell you, when we got to our camping spot, I took off that big green backpack with the little pink backpack strapped to it. And can I tell you, I felt weightless. <laughs> I'd been carrying that weight for so long, I felt like I could just run a million miles. And what happened is I didn't realize how heavy of a weight I was carrying until I took the weight off. And I think that's the reality for so many of us is we don't realize the weight of hurt and shame and brokenness it is in our life. And that God didn't intend for us to carry it. That's why he went to the cross for us. It should be a reminder for us that God has enough grace that we can have hope, that we can lay those down before him so that we might reign in life. That's the third thing that you can write down this morning is his desire for us is to reign in life. Scriptures say that there is righteousness that we would reign in, through, reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. You know, that, that word reign means that we would live as sons and daughters of the high king. Living with confidence and hope, knowing that God that we serve is the one who still is the author and finisher of hope in our lives. As sons and daughters, therefore, we should be ambassadors, carrying forth the message of hope and Christ's reconciliation. Our role is to carry hope to the world around us. In 2 Corinthians uh, 1, he says that, uh, verse 4, he says, uh, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted with by God. In other words, God has given us hope not that we would keep it to ourselves, but we would share that hope with one another. And can I tell you that in, in life there are ups and downs, there are trials, there are uh, you know, challenges that we face, but God didn't intend us to go through this life alone. He intended us to go through it as a church family, as a church body, as brothers and sisters in Christ, because there are times in our life that we each need to be reminded of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. I believe as a church, you know, we need to be diligent in figuring out ways to support one another and care for one another in our time of need. And I'm very excited in our church. We have a few different ministries who are gearing up to help those in a time of need, in a time of crisis. I want to introduce you to some special ministries that are going to be coming up and uh, that help people in their time of need. One of those ministries that we have here is our financial peace ministry. And if, you, if you've ever been in a situation where you're having hardships and difficult times and uh, trying to find hope in the midst of uh, your finances, this is a, an incredible ministry that helps you find hope and, and, and healing in that. And uh, Chris Bonnevere has led that for the last few years, and we're getting ready to start this Wednesday. But Chris, can you tell a little bit of how you hope, intend to help people find hope uh, through this ministry? 
Uh, thank you so much, Sam, and just thank you for all your support and uh, doing this program. My name is Chris Bonnevere. My wife, Jessica, and I uh, help facilitate Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. We've had the honor of, to follow behind some great people, Dan Chitwood, Dick Parker, who have uh, done that before us and stuff. I can't think of a better analogy than what Sam gave in reference to uh, managing your finances and getting beyond financial problems. Get that backpack off your back and just to have that great, that great feeling of uh, financial freedom. This is a nine-week program. Uh, it'll start this Wednesday in room 108 at 6 o'clock. It'll run for nine weeks. And I'll be out in the atrium uh, after this service. Come see me, and uh, if you have any questions at all, come and talk about it. Uh, of course, uh, class participation is the best because you get to tell, get to hear each other, share each other, and pray, and know that you're not alone uh, in your journey uh, for managing God's finances. And uh, also, but if you have some type of scheduling conflict or so forth, it's all online and you would uh, be able to do that as well. What this course equips you to do is to communicate with your partner. So at 8 o'clock, I had a little bit of fun asking people, uh, the people out here, if you could raise your hands, please, and I, I'll tell you what we're going to see is who is the savers in uh, the relationship, or if you're alone, your, your own uh, type of style. Who are the saving types? I can't raise my hand. So, okay, great. So we have three savers in this whole group. So I want to see all of you on Wednesday if you're spending. So everyone else is a spender. That's me. And then the other types. Who is the math nerd? That I can wave. Who, who drives that Excel sheet like a boss? Right. All right. And who's the free spirit? Don't worry. Let's just do it. Don't worry about it. Right. It'll, it'll all be fine. We've gotten this far. No problems at all. Well, the funny thing is that we get to see this from up front is the husband or wife is raising for one side and then the husband and wife on the other. So you guys need to come see me so it can help equip you to, to communicate. What this will do is give you dialogue to communicate with each other, to set goals, to get beyond any type of financial conflicts or struggles that you're having. Not only that, but then it'll equip you too as well to come alongside other people. Talk about things like life insurance and other types of things that you could put into your life to set yourself up well. How to teach your children to set them up well, too, to be just a great role model about that, to talk about finances and so forth. So I'll be out in the atrium after the service. Please come and see me. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Thank you. Appreciate you. Appreciate Chris. Another new ministry that we're getting ready to start is our cancer care ministry. And, and I think one of those areas that sometimes it can be really hard to find hope in is during a diagnosis. And so uh, I have asked Leslie Hunt, who's going to be leading our cancer care ministry, to share a little bit about how they hope uh, to share the good news and encourage people through their ministry. Thank you, Sam. Good morning. I would like to start by sharing with you that I am a cancer survivor. Thank you. Thank you. Our Journey of Hope Cancer Care Ministry is a hope ministry. It's centered on bringing God's hope to patients and their caregivers and family and friends. How many of you here today are currently battling cancer or maybe you have a loved one who is fighting cancer right now? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. According to the American Cancer Society, that one in three adults in the United States will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime and that number doesn't take into consideration um, their family and friends who are impacted by their diagnosis. Our heart is to come alongside and serve and comfort and encourage men and women and families 
fighting cancer with practical support and spiritual care. We have a team of trained men and women that can come alongside and partner with you in your journey through your cancer fight. Um, and this team has gone through eight weeks of training and they've been commissioned as cancer care ministers to um, help partner with those fighting this, this fight. Um, our Journey of Hope information is in your bulletin and I'll also be out in the atrium after this service at one of our ministry tables. So I hope you'll come see me and say hi. Thank you very much. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you, Chris. We appreciate you guys. And, and, and I love that these ministries are walking alongside people in our church who, in, like us all, right, we all need to be reminded of our hope. Two things I want to leave you with this morning. One is that we have, Christ has enough grace to give us hope in the midst of what we're going through. And maybe this morning you're carrying a burden, you're carrying a weight of, of hurt or sin or shame that you've been carrying for far too long, and Jesus is calling you. He's inviting you to lay that down at the foot of the cross. Maybe this morning you would just like to come and pray here at this altar or you need prayer. Or maybe you would like to accept that free gift of salvation that comes by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You come this morning if that's you. Secondly, God did not intend us to walk alone. We need one another. We need to be reminded of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And that's why God gave us the church. And so this morning maybe it's to join this church family and to be a part of what God is doing here, to be an encouragement, but also to be encouraged as a part of this family. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we love you so much, God, and we, we thank you that, God, you're a God of hope, and, God, that you are not changing, God. God, that you have been the source of hope throughout the ages, but, God, you continue to be our source of hope. God, and that reminder comes through your son Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. This morning, for some of us, maybe we're carrying a burden and a weight that, God, that you didn't intend us to carry, Lord. Maybe this morning would be the time where we lay that at your feet, Lord Jesus. God, however you're leading us this morning, I pray that we would take next steps of obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship this morning. You come.
church gathered for worship to the church scattered for God's work. Receive your blessing from God's word. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Go out now to grow in your appreciation of and your reliance on God's hope. And all God's people who committed to doing so said, Amen.